The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and post-partisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. This is the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I solve problems. I don't make them. And I don't have to do a deep dive analysis, a fishbone of anything, to identify the problems that are roiling this country at this very moment. Yep, we still have a pandemic, a novel virus that is lethal and, and poorly understood that's caused a calamitous decline in our economic activity and a level of unemployment not seen since the Great Depression. And we are now coupling that with an awakening of anguished injustice and anger and a recognition of the injustice and the inequality in our society that, are, that erupted after a 17-year-old girl, a teenager, recorded a video eight minutes and 46 seconds long that chronicled the struggle of a black man on the ground, handcuffed, suffocating to death as the result of a police officer's knee pressed into his neck. Well, that television televised death, and can you imagine the lifelong scars that 17-year-old girl is going to carry after witnessing this? But that televised death of what his family describes as a gentle giant brought people into the streets to express their rage. And if you were not enraged, by seeing all or at least part of that video, you're not human. So it wasn't hard. It didn't require any deep thinking on my part to predict that the peaceful protest of the first night would attract the attention of extremists on both the right and the left, or just anarchy, you know, there are anarchists in our midst, like the Boogaloo Boys, and they're armed. But it didn't really require a lot of deep thought to realize on that first night that it would attack, attract the attention of those extremists and that the agitation as the crowds grew and spread across the country, as police reactions grew more forceful would sooner or later lead to more agitation, more violence. And while the cops were preoccupied with the demonstrators, looting and other sorts of aggressive criminal activity in other parts of major American cities. That didn't require a whole lot of deep thinking to predict that A, 
would lead directly to B. You only have to live in the Bay Area. You only have to be a UC Berkeley grad to know that A will lead to B, no matter the righteousness of the cause. And that, that agitation does not diminish the, right, the righteousness of the cause now or quite frequently. What makes me more optimistic than pessimistic at this time, as I have watched on television, as I'm sure many of you have, night after night of demonstration, day after day of marches. What makes me optimistic is the size and the diversity of the crowds of peaceful protesters. First, the peaceful protesters far outnumber the agitators. Secondly, there's a diversity of age, of shape, of size, of color in these, in these peaceful protests. Now, I'm sure that some of the crowd size is driven by the shelter in place stuck indoors for months that we've all endured because of the pandemic. You know, high school and college kids are out of school with time on their hands. And this is a generation brought up on protest and diversity. And, you know, they're young. They think they're immortal. They aren't afraid of things like silly things like a disease, like a pandemic. Um, and I think that, you know, that what they saw outraged them but they've also got the time now. And I'm not sure that that's a bad thing because I really would like to believe that the people out there marching, a generation that fears diversity much less than their parents or their grandparents. You know, I would like to believe as I look at these peaceful protesters, I'd like to believe that this is an inflection point where the arc of American history moves toward the vision of Thomas Jefferson that all men are created equal. Or Martin Luther King's dream that his children would be judged more by the content of their character than the color of their skin. But the relatively muted reaction from Congress and the national media to the militarization of our capital city by the very few people who don't want to see that that arc is bending, who do not want to look beneath the ruins, but only to see the flames, makes me wonder if what we are witnessing is really an extension of the arch or a mirage of wishful thinking. David French, who I deeply respect and who has been a previous guest on the Reimagine America Radio Hour, wrote yesterday that he's not troubled at the thought of the 82nd Airborne patrolling Washington, D.C. They've seen worse in Fallujah and elsewhere, he writes. They have more control of their behavior than the average street cop because they've seen worse in Fallujah and elsewhere. Is that why a helicopter hovered over a peaceful demonstration uh, and causing all kinds of havoc and, and, and um, 
uh, confusion and danger and injury on the streets of Washington two nights ago. Now, I do agree with David. They have more control of their behavior, the 82nd Airborne members, than the average street cop. You know why? Because they're better trained. And yes, because they've had actual combat experience. They don't scare so easy when there are rocks and bottles around by a few crazy people. You know, I do agree about that training, but I disagree that members should be of the, of the um, 82nd Airborne or the National Guard at this point from states as far away as Utah and Arizona not from neighboring Virginia or Maryland because their governors refused to send the National Guard. So I don't think National Guardsmen should be on patrol with rifles on the National Mall or along a, a new fence at Lafayette Park to force peaceful pr protesters down a chute, down a chute like they were cattle on the way to market pursued by shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder mounted National Park Police to clear a path for a presidential photo opportunity. And now, two days later, to patrol the building of a fence, a fence that encompasses as an area now exclusive to the executive branch and out of bounds to the American people. A fence that surrounds the White House, the Department of the Treasury, Blair House, the executive, old executive office building, and yes, St. John's Church. The Episcopal Bishop of Washington, D.C. cannot go to her own church. She can't go to St. John's because it's now been fenced off. It's no longer available to either the bishop or the regular congregants of this 200 plus year old established working church. Or by the way, Robert Mueller uh, attends. Nor is it appropriate for dismounted infantry with their faces covered with masks and tap glasses to guard the Lincoln Memorial from high school students on their annual class trip to Washington, D.C. Nor is it appropriate for federal prison guards, riot squad guards. These are not police officers. These men have not got degrees in administration of justice. They've never been to a police academy. Their job is suppression of, of convicted violent criminals. And yet today, they guard the United States Capitol building and the Department of Justice under the direction of Attorney General William Barr. Or should we start to think of him more as General Rome of SS Nazi fame? Because yes, this is where the SS got its start, as civilian assault troops during the rise of Nazism. When Nazism was, was a force that was, uh, was the vigilante force. Washington, D.C. 
is the place where Americans go to express their grievances, to petition their government for redress. And yes, it is time for redress. It's been time for redress for a long time. And even though I firmly believe that federal laws concerning how state and local policing will be conducted are the solution, a subject we've discussed previously, I do think it's a time for redress. It's a time for discussion about all of the underlying causes of inequality in this country, both systemic and um, societal. You know what else? Washington is also a city that is majority non-white. It is also a city full of tourists all the time. It knows about big crowds. It has a very well-trained police force and they understand how to control crowds with minimum force. Washington, the Washington I saw last night on television were they were conducting what really amounted to a peaceful sing-along protest. Washington is not in insurrection. Insurrection means in revolt. Washington is not in revolt. There is absolutely no justification for the use of that word, nor was there a justification for the use of force, of tear gas, of you know, rubber bullets, of horses, to disperse a crowd on Monday afternoon. Retired Marine Corps General and former Secretary of Defense for President Trump, James Madison said in, in, in a statement yesterday, and I'm gonna quote a little piece of it, we must reject any thinking of our cities as a battle space, that our uniformed military is called upon to dominate. At home, we should use our military only when requested to do so on very rare occasions by state governors. Militarizing our response, as we witnessed in Washington, D.C., sets up a conflict, a false conflict, between the military and civilian society. It erodes the moral ground that, it, that ensures a trusted bond between men and women in uniform and the society they are sworn to protect and of which they themselves are a part. Keeping public order rests with civilian state and local leaders who best understand their communities and are answerable to them. Well, it took General Mattis finally saying something after I mean, people have asked him for quite some time to shame Secretary Esper and Joint Chiefs of Staff General Milley into statements that they don't believe there's an insurrection that remind our Joint Chiefs of Staff that our military is sworn to uphold the Constitution of the United States and is apolitical. The National Guard has a national commander, who's in fact an Air Force general, his name is Joseph Lang Langiel, uh, and he put out a statement today affirming, as did the others, a right to protest 
the justification for the protests we are witnessing. And most importantly, he reminded the National Guard members that they are citizens first and soldiers second. Over the last three years, I've come to believe that the last defense of the American people after against what General Attorney General Barr, and people call him General Barr, our last defense against what his notion of an all-powerful, all-important unitary presidency that can ignore Congress was the integrity of our military leaders. And by the way, General Barr is hiding in the bunker with the president, expecting the military to carry his water in terms of a all-powerful unitary presidency. The only thing that stands between us and that un-American notion of American government is the integrity of our military commanders. Let us hope that retired Admiral and former NATO commander James Stravitis is correct. He said today that when given an immoral but still legal order, a commander's choice is simple. He must either obey or he must lay down his command and end his service to the country. Pray God that the situation in Washington, D.C. does not come to that decision before cooler heads and more patriotic hearts begin to beat and can still prevail. Thanks for listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. You can learn more at reimagineamerica.org. Got a comment or an idea for a future show? Email Joyce at reimagineamerica.org or find her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine Radio. Take a minute now and go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you love the podcast, donate and tell others. You can invite Joyce to speak at your next meeting or conference through reimagineamerica.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at ricochet.com or c-sweetnetwork.com. That's c-sweetnetwork.com. Together, we really can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.